all personnel. Incoming podcast. This is MASH Matters. You heard the announcement right there. It is time for MASH Matters, the podcast celebrating the greatest television show of all time, featuring one of the greatest actors of all time, Jeff Maxwell. Hello, Jeff Maxwell. Hello, Ryan Patrick. Excuse me. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Sit down. Please sit down, everyone. Thank you very much. Uh, yes. Well, thank you for that introduction. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, oh, of course. I mean, yeah. that's how you wrote it for me. So I delivered it just how you wrote it. You read it beautifully. Beautifully. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Well, happy episode 67. Yeah. How about that? Here we go. We just keep plugging along. Who knows how long this thing's going to go before we're canceled. <laughs> <laughs> Can we get canceled? Well, you I, know, I they know. keep moving us to different nights and then they put us in different time slots and, you know, you know and yeah, that's true. if it's up to us, we're, we're going to keep going with this party as long as we possibly can. Yeah. We only do it because you guys show up and thank you for continuing to listen to us and support us. And you send us such great emails and messages and, and voicemails and tweets and everything. You guys are just awesome. And that's why we do this podcast. We do this for fans and I am one of you. And it's just a thrill for me to be able to come here and do this podcast with Jeff. It's a blast working with you on this. Really? It is? Wow. I'll be done. Again, I just read it like you wrote it. Okay, thank you. Yeah. No. Well, <laughs> likewise. I mean, we do have fun doing this, and mm-hmm. uh, we do enjoy doing this with each other. And by golly, we thank all the people that are listening to us, though they may want to seek psychiatric help. But nevertheless... <laughs> We do appreciate them listening because it really helps and makes us feel good. And and all the wonderful emails that we get and all those tweets, yeah. And uh, yeah. gosh, we have questions today, yep, don't we? Do. we? Why don't we just jump right in, Jeff? I'm going to jump. <laughs> don't jump. Don't jump. Uh, okay. No. All right. Thank you. <laughs> well, you know. Ease into it. Just ease. gently ease into it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm off the ledge. I'm okay, off the okay. ledge. <laughs> all right. Dear Ryan and Jeff, my name is Tracy. And I am a younger MASH fan at 24 years old. Oh, just 10 years older than me. Anyway, (laughs) my parents watched MASH as kids, and my mom occasionally had reruns on when I was a little kid. At the time, though, it looked like a fun show. It pretty much went over my head. All I remembered was they worked in an army hospital. There was a male character that wore dresses, and there was a character named Radar that seemed to always be getting into trouble and causing silliness. The summer before I turned 19, my siblings and I found reruns of MASH on Sundance and ended up spending our summer watching MASH. I couldn't believe I had almost missed such a gem, fell in love with it, and immediately it became my favorite show. I have since been a little obsessed with it, using quite a few lines from the show and dressing up as characters for Halloween. Well, I hope you're dressing up as Private Igor. Uh, one of those <laughs> things, anyway. My question follows, and I'm just randomly curious. While I know certain scenes depicted the costume, on the way to the shower, the character wears a bathrobe. Late at night, the character has a robe over pajamas, etc. But barring those explicit examples, Did the cast have some freedom over the individual articles of clothing they wore as long as they stayed within their wardrobe at appropriateness for the scene? Or was every outfit explicitly written out in the script? 
Thank you so much for your time and consideration. I really enjoy the podcast. You have me cracking up every time. Ah, well, thank you, Tracy. Yeah, thank you, Tracy. So uh, the question regarding the wardrobe, uh, you know, there was some leeway. Uh, The costume director was a great guy. I can't remember his name. but was a really nice guy. And he would show various people certain things. And you go in in the morning and say, here's the sweater I picked out for you. Here, do you like this? And oh, here's another one. Or maybe you can wear that one. So in the morning, there were, if somebody was going to wear a specific costume or a, a specific thing or scene was going on that had clothing associated with it, the costume director would give you some options and say, here, look at this and look at that. And that's pretty much on every television show that they offer the actors the choice of something if they like one over the other. But normally, if they're just, you know, as you say here, on the way to the shower, the character wears a bathrobe or late at night, the character has a robe over pajamas. Those were pretty much set pieces. So the costume director would just put it out and the actor would put it on and say, thanks. There wasn't any real thought given to it unless it was a specific scene that required some thought with regard to how they dressed. And then there would be options about which costume, which color, whatever they would wear. But pretty much, you know, they were in Korea. There wasn't a lot of variations with what they were wearing anyway. Right. I think like uh, David Audin Stiers called it the, I was in the green show. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was pretty green, and all those costumes were pretty set, yeah. and so everybody just wore them. Although, in later seasons, you did uh, kind of transition over to a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> I did. Was that yes. your choosing, or was that the costume director? No, the costume director said, hey, what do you think of Hawaiian shirts, and wear it in the bar instead of the, you're not in the mess tent, mm-hmm. so you're in the bar, and so what about this Hawaiian shirt? And I went, great, thanks, great, <laughs> love it. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, wearing a Hawaiian shirt behind the steam table would probably have been a mistake. So Yeah, true. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. and you go in and there were uh, on the rack or even in your dressing room, I would go into the dressing room and the, uh, the Hawaiian shirt would be there with my name on it. Hmm. So they picked it out for me. And, you know, if I said, I want I want something more mob, uh, they wouldn't have paid any attention to me. <laughs> Shut up, Jeff. Put the Hawaiian shirt on. Get out there. You know, Tracy mentioned uh, dressing up as uh, characters for Halloween. And we've mentioned this on past episodes that if anybody has ever dressed up as, uh, you know, for Halloween as a character uh, to like send us pictures. And we've shared some of those pictures in the past on the website and on our social media. But we put the call out again this year. And specifically, you know, because Halloween is coming up very soon. And specifically, if you dress up for Halloween as Igor, mm. as private Igor, I'm not saying Igor from like Young Frankenstein. I'm talking about, <laughs> I mean, you could dress up as Jeff Maxwell from Young Frankenstein because he was yeah. in that movie too. Yeah. But if you specifically dress up as private Igor, we want to see those pictures. That would be cool. That would be cool. So I guess you could either do a steam table Igor or a officer's club Igor. One would have, I guess, an apron and a chef hat and the other one would have the Hawaiian shirt and the hat with the upturned bill. And yeah. we want to see Igor pictures. So send them to us mashmatterspodcast at gmail.com or if you're interested in dressing up like Barbarella we'd like to see those photos as well and we will give that private email address later in the show (laughs) hey I I don't mean to interrupt but I will anyway so uh, Barbarella, as long as it came out of my mouth, I just saw, I just saw Uh-oh, that. We're going off the rails early we're in this episode. <laughs> Go for it. Barbarella. Call security. Okay. <laughs> I just happened to see that movie the other night. 
That is the worst movie I think I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's pretty bad. My mouth dropped. I could not believe what I was watching. Yeah. Those people should have been arrested. I was stunned how bad that movie is. But here's the deal, Jeff. Nobody who was going to see that movie in the theater was looking for plot. <laughs> I guess not. No, Nobody walked out of there true. going, well, that plot didn't make a lick of sense. That was a convoluted <laughs> no, mess. That's true. More people walked out and go, was there a plot? I don't remember the plot. <laughs> yeah. Were there words? There were words in that? I don't remember. Dialogue? <laughs> Dialogue. Dialogue. No recollection. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. You're right. All right. Moving on now. Uh, Kelly says, hi, Ryan and Jeff. I just wanted to start by saying I love your podcast. It's a joy to listen to. Oh, thank you, Kelly. Thank you. She says, both my husband and I love MASH, and it's a big part of us. I remember my dad watching it when I was a kid, but I never paid much attention. I didn't fall in love with the show until college when I developed insomnia, Mm. and I would watch MASH late, late at night to relax and help me sleep. By the time I met my husband, I owned seasons 4 through 11 on DVD, and after meeting my husband, we discovered we both had a love for MASH, and that he owned seasons 1 through 3 on DVD. Together, we completed the set. Oh, (laughs) that is romantic. Isn't that sweet? It is. We've now been married for 14 years, and it still plays a big part in our lives. We watch an episode or three before going to bed each night, and it's become kind of an inside joke for us. Most of our jokes reference MASH in one way or the other, and we love seeing the confusion on others' faces when they don't understand our sense of humor. (laughs) I can't even begin to count how many times we've watched the entire series, and we have no plans to stop. Thanks for listening to the ramblings of a fan. Well, thank you, Kelly, for that. I really like the, uh, it's like when you find the two pieces of a locket that just fit perfectly. When you discover that you own seasons four through 11 and the person you're dating has seasons one through three. That's it. Yeah. That's the love connection right there. Oh, that is. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. Now, that's the first real love connection I've heard since we've been doing this. That That's <laughs> interesting. That's pretty cool. But it won't be the last. No, not at all. When no. we start our MASH-themed uh, dating app. Oh, I like that. <laughs> MASH-themed dating app. Yeah. Oh, that's that's big. That's good. I like that. MASH-match. MASH-match. Mash, say it three times. MASH-match, MASH-match, right. match. Well, no, yeah, we got to work on we'll it. We'll let everybody know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's have a voicemail here. This one coming from John. Hello, Ryan and Jeff. My name is John J. Cashman. I'm calling from New Jersey. I've been watching MASH nonstop since 1972 and have rewatched the entire series in order more times than I can count. I've been enjoying the interviews, insights, and the jocularity of your podcast. And I've learned a lot from you. For example, now when I watch an episode, I am conscious of whether or not Igor had any dialogue that week, because I know Jeff got paid more when he spoke. I am a fan of the wackier episodes like Big Mac and Tuttle, as well as the dramatic ones like Blood Brothers and Fallen Idol. Fallen Idol may be one of the best episodes, even though it can be difficult to watch. I'm sure you'll discuss that whenever you get to season six in a few years. A few observations, if I may, on why I think MASH was so good. First of all, everybody would like to be so good at their job that they don't have to follow the rules. And that was a theme of the MASH novel. The surgeons were so skillful in the OR, they could, they could get away with anything in their off hours. That sentiment carried into the film and into the pilot episode and the early seasons of the series. Then, when some cast members left and new personalities were introduced, that made the show stronger with deeper character development and multiple plot possibilities. And that is one of the reasons the series got so good and lasted so long. But it's also fun to talk about continuity issues. For example, in A War for All Seasons, Colonel Potter talks about closing out 1950 in Korea. 
However, in Welcome to Korea, we learned that Colonel Potter didn't even report to the 4077th until 1952. No wonder Igor no wonder Igor creamed the corn. We weren't even sure what year it was. And while Radar started out as a young, innocent farm boy, he seemed to have a lot of first dates, and he seemed to lose his innocence at least once a season. I've always enjoyed the character of Dr. Friedman. You had mentioned that he was first introduced as Milton Friedman. At the time, there was a real Milton Friedman, a famed economist. Maybe that had something to do with changing his name to Sydney. And I did a little research. Did you know that if he were still with us, the great Alan Arbus would be 102 years old. He was born in 1918. And finally, a good topic of conversation would be the connection between MASH and the 1968 Dar's Day movie with six You Get Egg Roll. I can't get into that right now. My three minutes is almost up. Maybe I'll be invited back. So Ryan and Jeffrey, take my advice. Hold on your pants and slide on the ice. (laughs) Well, uh, I think, okay, so our next episode of MASH Matters will be hosted by John Cashman. So thank you very much, John. Good luck with that podcast called MASH Matters. Well done, What he sir. just did on this uh, voicemail reminds me of whenever a TV show does a little recap at the beginning of the episode and says, yep. previously on The Fall Guy or whatever, mm-hmm. and they would like show all these clips of things that you may have missed. Mm-hmm. That's basically what John just did for us. Yeah, it, it was very well done. Yes. Yeah, bravo, <laughs> John, really? Yeah. Here, I'm going to give you a sound effect, John. All right. Very well, John. John. Excellent. Excellent work, John. I, a couple of things. His math is correct because his is one of the voicemails that we just haven't gotten to in a while. In fact, I think he sent us this one at the end of 2020. And so when he was saying, uh, doing the math with Alan Arbus's, uh, how old he would be today, mm-hmm. it was correct when he actually left the voicemail. And he also mentioned, um, we will discuss uh, that particular episode when we get to our season six recap in a few years. How did he know that <laughs> back in 2020, even he knew that we still haven't gotten to our season six recap. And I keep remembering that at the most inopportune times. Yeah. And we need to do that. We need to do our season six recap. Soon, when I say soon, that could be any time in the next 18 months. 18 months. Which yeah. is soon for us when it comes to these season recaps, I, I know. Very soon, very soon. I'm I'm getting prepared well, right now. <laughs> See, here's the deal. When when we do these season recaps, I like to go back and rewatch the season. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I've seen all of these episodes countless times, but I want to watch it with a more discerning eye this time when I'm watching it for these recaps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just have not had the time to sit down and watch season six. (laughs) I just have not had it. So that's one of the things that's causing the delay in getting the season six recap done. I could probably do it without watching the season, but I want to watch it. Of course, of course. Well, you have a discerning eye. I have a lazy eye. So there's a difference between you and me. And he also uh, mentioned there is a mash connection with the Doris Day movie with Six You Get Egg Roll. I'll just let you all find that connection. I know what it is, and it's easy, and a lot of you already know. But if you don't, just Google, you know, uh, with Six You Get Egg Roll, mash, and see what pops up. You'll see the connection. I don't even know what that is. I'm going to Google. Oh, really? Okay. I'm excited. Yeah. No, I don't know. You should. It's it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. So the big thing he talked about in his voicemail was the continuity. And we've talked about continuity in the past uh, in several 
couple episodes in the past, but there are specifics. Yes, he he talked about War for All Seasons. Neil also sent us an email about that particular continuity in A War for All Seasons, uh, bringing up the Colonel Potter arriving in 1952, but then he's ringing in 1951 in A War for All Seasons, which, by the way, is one of Neil's favorite episodes and also one of mine. We also got an email from Mark saying, Hi, Ryan and Jeff. It's Mark from the UK. Love the podcast. I love watching MASH, having been introduced to it by my parents when I was a small child. I'm now 32 and it airs repeatedly on a channel called Great TV, although some episodes are missing and some shots are cut for some reason. I just watched the episode Mad Dogs and Servicemen, which is the episode involving a paralyzed soldier for whom the paralysis is psychosomatic and Hawkeye needs to be mean to him to get him walking. When Hawkeye says to Henry and Trapper they now need someone to help him open up, Hawkeye says something along the lines of, I'd do it, but as far as he's concerned, I'm just left a Godzilla. <laughs> as a recent Godzilla fan myself, who has seen the first 17 Japanese films, I I can tell you that that can't be right. The first Godzilla film was released in Japan in 1954, and the Americanized version of the film titled Godzilla King of the Monsters came out in 1956. There is no way Hawkeye could have known about Godzilla as the character didn't even exist yet. After checking online to be sure I didn't miss here, I also found that Godzilla was mentioned in a total of four episodes. Springtime, Checkup, Mad Dogs and Servicemen, and Quo Vadis, Captain Chandler. The first having Radar mentioning Godzilla films that don't actually exist. <laughs> uh, just thought it was interesting to note personally as a MASH fan and as a Godzilla fan. So there you go. You know, stuff happens, you know. It does. You're making a television show and you kind of miss those things because you don't think about it. And Right. But they got paid for it anyway, so they didn't care. We've talked talked about how MASH wasn't produced back then to be a binge-worthy series. Right. There was no such thing as binging a series. You watched it live or you watched it on reruns. That was it. Or in syndication. That's why Hawkeye in one uh, episode says he's from Vermont. In one letter he's writing to his dad, he says, say hi to mom. And later he tells a story that his mom died when he was a child. <laughs> Margaret's dad is dead in one episode and comes back to life to visit the camp. <laughs> I mean, Potter <laughs> says he's from Nebraska when he's really from Hannibal, Missouri. Uh, Winchester's right. sister, she's married and then she isn't. And then she is and she isn't. And then he's trying to break up the wedding. There are so many continuity errors throughout MASH because it wasn't written to be that kind of a series. You had new writers coming in all the time and there wasn't necessarily a uh, show Bible that you went by to say, oh, wait, it says here that Charles' sister is actually not married. Right. So you have to take that with a grain of salt and know that that was just part of doing television at the time. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, one time I was uh, Private Maxwell and yeah. the other time I was Private Igor Straminsky. Yeah. So <laughs> stuff, yeah, stuff like yeah you never know. You know, the writers would concerned with the plot and the theme and, you know, making mm -hmm. the story structure work and getting everything done within, you know, 25 minutes. And, you know, other stuff is not necessarily as important to them at the time. So like you said, it wasn't a, we couldn't turn it on and binge watch. So, you know, what went from one week to the next, you wouldn't necessarily remember yeah. <laughs> or care about. I know how it feels because I'll forget things that we talked about in this podcast <laughs> from episode to episode. I get it. I understand. Your, your name again? <laughs> See, a, I can't remember. Okay. I don't know <laughs> just said, what the heck we're talking about. All right. And our good friend Karen writes and says, thank you, Jeff and Ryan, for doing your podcast. I have been an ardent fan of MASH since I was a kid and know most of the shows by heart. I am currently on a six-week solo road trip across 30 states, and I listen to your podcast in the afternoons to keep me alert and to make me laugh. Ah, you two make a great team. Oh, well, that's cool. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Part of my trip has been to visit Ottumwa, Iowa, where Radar was from. Unfortunately, the museum was closed. 
This week, I made it to Tony Paco's in Toledo. I geeked out (laughs) all over the pictures (laughs) and bought a ton of stuff from the gift shop. I was wondering if either or both of you had been to these places. Is there anywhere else other than the ranch in California that I should try to go to for my mash fix? Thanks again so much. What you are doing is such a blessing to those of us who have loved MASH for decades. Well, that's very nice. Thank you very much. Gosh, you're a road trip, I guess. So you're going, let's see, 30 states. Wow. Yeah. I'm scared to go to the market all by myself to go 30 (laughs) states. Yeah. Wow. So she went to Ottumwa. Yeah. And then she also ends up at Tony Paco's in Toledo. And she asks if either or both of us have been to those places. I have not. I would love to go to Tony Paco's at some point. I would love to go to Toledo to visit Tony Paco's and maybe go to a Mud Hens game. And then I have not been to Ottumwa. My wife and I actually thought about driving up there because I live down in the southern tip of Illinois. We did a road trip not too long ago where we went up to, you know, me being the mash nerd. I was I was thinking, let's drive up to Hannibal, Missouri, uh. and then from there drive up to Ottumwa. And then cut across, come back down through Illinois back home. We did go to Hannibal, which if you are a big Mark Twain fan, you should totally go to Hannibal, Missouri. It's it's incredible. To tour all the Mark Twain and Tom Sawyer stuff is really cool. The, the Mark Twain house and everything is really, really neat. There was also a little Hannibal museum there. And I was disappointed to see that there was no mention in that museum that I saw of MASH or Colonel Potter. Now, maybe again, we, we did not visit everything everywhere in, in Hannibal. So if, uh, if you live in Hannibal or if you've been to somewhere in Hannibal where they do have some kind of MASH commemoration, please let us know because I'd like to know because I didn't see it when we were in town. But we did not. We decided not to drive up to Ottumwa. We decided instead to uh, just come back home. But I know that there is an Ottumwa, as uh, Karen mentioned, there is a Ottumwa museum where they do have an exhibit about radar, but I don't know much about it beyond that. And it was closed, I think, at the time. And that was one of the reasons we decided not to go on up because I wouldn't have been able to see it anyway. Yeah. So anyway, I have not been to those. Jeff, have you visited either Atumwa or Tony Paco's? I have not. I have been to the ranch, however. And so anybody who's listening, uh, including Karen, if you haven't done it, I highly recommend going to Malibu Creek State Park and touring that. You, When you get out there and you walk in about a mile or two miles into the set, your head will go, oh, wow. Look at that. That's cool. Because you'll really recognize, you know, the the scenery. The tents are gone because they all burned down and they're not going to put tents up and just for the heck of people coming in and looking at them. But Mm -hmm. uh, there's some old burned out Jeeps and stuff out there and there's pictures. And so when you get out there, you'll recognize it all. And it's really fun. So I highly recommend doing it. It's a lot of fun to, to hike in and it's great. You also walk past, if it's still there, I don't know that some of the sets are still there, but uh, they shot Planet of the Apes, the original one out there, mm-hmm. and some of the caves and the stuff that they built for that are, are at least they were a while ago. I don't know whether they're still there or not, but it's a, it's a wonderful mash thing to do. So I highly recommend Malibu Creek State Park. One of these days, one of these days, I'm going to get there. Yeah. Yeah. You got to do it. All right. Moving on. Uh, Robin says, Hey guys, I'm a bit sad. I just finished all of your podcasts. What will I do for the rest of my life? Oh my gosh, Robin. Mm, I'm sorry. Gosh. Well, I mean, here's a new episode right here. So hopefully that helps. I discovered your podcast a couple of weeks ago, thanks to Loretta Swit, and I've literally binged it for two weeks. I love it. You guys are very funny, and I love hearing so many behind-the-scenes details of one of my all-time favorite shows. MASH has a special place in my heart because I grew up watching it, so it was part of my childhood, and when the last episode aired, I was 18, and it was, for me, the end of an era. 
It was not only a somewhat sad storyline with Hawkeye's breakdown and the sad event that led up to it, but very sad that my favorite show was ending. I had a big crush on Alan Alda, but I loved all the characters. Igor cracked me up with his facial expressions. Those eyes! (laughs) And the friendships in the show must have carried over from real life because the chemistry between everyone was great, and I think this made the show special to me also. Anyway, thanks for this podcast, and my suggestion for the show is please release new ones more often. Who needs a paying day job anyway? (laughs) Thanks so much. (laughs) Well, thank you, Robin. So we put out new episodes on the 1st and the 15th of every month. I hate to disappoint you, Robin, (laughs) but we're not going to be putting them out any more frequently than that. Because of, you know, all the stuff that goes in with production, we're good to get two episodes out every month. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. You know, I think we're going to have to hire more people. Uh, I don't think our staff up to is doing their job. I was about to say, we have a staff. (laughs) Yeah. There's you and there's me. Ah, yes. That's the staff. And one of us every other month is employee of the month. We just swap it every other month. Who's this this month? I forget. Is it you? I have to consult the plaque on the wall to see who had it last month. I have to consult the plaque in my teeth. But anyway, so wait a minute. So Robin says here, she said, I had a big crush on Alan Alda, but I loved all the characters. Igor cracked me up. So you got a crush on Alan Alda, but I crack you up. All right. So I guess that's okay. She just thinks of you as a friend, Jeff. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I've heard that before. Oh, me too. All right. Yeah. I could write a book. Thanks, Robin. <laughs> oh, golly. And so moving on, our friend Chris writes and says, fellas. I just listened to episode 61 of the podcast. MASH itself had 256 episodes. Here to this podcast breaking that mark. Aha! I am a native Philadelphian, so when I watch MASH, it always brings a smile when I hear Father Mulcahy speak of being from Philadelphia. How did the writers decide to hail Father John Patrick Francis Mulcahy from Philadelphia? Hmm. Well... I haven't got a clue um, <laughs> how they decided to do that. Not a clue. Uh, I'm, I'm going to ask our, our resident expert and historian about MASH if he knows why the dis- writers decided to hail Father John Patrick Francis Mulcahy from Philadelphia. Ryan, can you get him on the phone? Because we need <laughs> exactly. to Exactly. Who is this that you're talking about, this historian? <laughs> Do you, have you got any idea? Because I ain't got a clue. I, I don't know. do not. not have an idea of why they have him coming from Philadelphia. Now, in the book, the character of Father Mulcahy was from San Diego. So why was he moved from growing up in San Diego to being from Philadelphia? I have no idea. I even did a little quick bit of research to see if Larry Gelbart had any strong connection with Philadelphia. And the only real connection I could find was that his first attempt at writing a Broadway musical, which was this musical called The Conquering Hero, had its out-of-town tryouts in Philadelphia. And then the show went on to be a a huge flop. (laughs) That's the only connection I can find really for Larry Gelbart to Philadelphia, but maybe when he was in Philly, he had some kind of experience that when he was writing for Father Mulcahy, he decided, you know, it seems like uh, that he would be, and, and honestly, I mean, 
think about this. The name, John Patrick Francis Mulcahy. That doesn't sound like a very San Diegoan. It does not. No, it does. That screams Philadelphia, doesn't it? Absolutely. Why the writers or Larry Gelbart or whoever it was that decided he was going to be from Philly? I have no idea, but I think it was a smart move. Well, I mean, hey, uh, cream cheese comes from there. Why not Father Mulcahy? <laughs> was that stretching it? Come on, you can tell me the That's truth. Okay. Is that is that too far? I'm kind of hungry now. But- yeah, me too. All right. Do you have any bagels anywhere? <laughs> anywhere? Thank you. Hey, let's have another voicemail. This one's from Sharon. Hi, Ryan and Jeff. This is Sharon Duvall from Santa Clarita, California, who happens to live exactly 38.8 miles from Malibu Creek State Park. Can you believe I've never visited the old set? Must rectify that. Anyway, I just recently found your podcast and ended up binge listening three to four episodes every day to catch up to the most current. I am enjoying your contagious joy, insight, and appreciation of this great TV show. I watched MASH during its original run and even missed an important choir rehearsal to watch the finale since video recording was not an option back then. To be honest, the finale was a big downer and disappointment to me. I get that war is depressing and bad, but in my opinion, that's not how the program MASH was conceived at the beginning. I'm wondering if the actors had a say in making the show more serious during its run, especially Alan Alda and Mike Farrell, since they were both well-known for their anti-war position. Fortunately, I can cash, catch ha, MASH reruns on TV land, and the episodes are just as funny, fresh, and poignant as they were back in the 1970s and early 80s. Thanks for sharing your insight and the behind-the-scenes details. Much appreciated. Bye-bye now. Wow. Gee, did I just say Malibu Creek State Park? And did she just not say those same? How about that? That's really spooky. That's. <laughs> and I didn't know she was going to say that, did I? No. I had no idea. You had no idea. Did not. My goodness. So Sharon thought the finale was kind of a downer. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting to me. I mean, it is definitely more serious and somber in, mm-hmm. in parts. And it does have a different overall feel than most episodes. Although I would say that it does have the feel of the later seasons of MASH, obviously. But I, I, I'm surprised to hear her say that she thought it was a downer. I'm quite fond of the final episode, as are a lot of MASH fans. Now I'm curious to see if there are other people who share Sharon's opinion. I don't know. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that about the final episode. You know, certainly they had a lot of stories to wrap up and characters had to leave and the war was over and they were going home. And so that's a bittersweet thing because the people you're very close to, you're leaving after all these years. And mm-hmm. certainly you wouldn't be thrilled to leave somebody you're very fond of, although you're thrilled to go home. So there's a conflict within each you know, character. And so there was a lot of emotional issues going on with each of those people who were then leaving that place. So in order to give it its due and be fair to each one of them, you had to explore the rise and fall of very various uh, emotions of each of those characters. And you're going to get some happy and you're going to get some sad and you're going to get some fear and some confusion. And that's just human. So I, I think that's the side they came down on. Let's make this as human as possible. I don't really think it had anything to do with anybody's opinion about the war or being anti-war. I don't think there's a human on the face of the earth as 
was really not anti-war. I don't think anybody goes, come on, let's have a war. It's Friday. <laughs> I don't think anybody does that, but certainly wars are fought over very serious issues. And I get it. Unfortunately, they, they still are. But I don't think it had anything to do with anybody's political opinions about war. I think they wanted to be as, uh, have as much integrity to guiding these characters through this end of this particular portion of their lives and, and do it, you know, as honestly and scrupulously as possible. Mm -hmm. I think that's why it felt like that maybe. Well said. Or I don't have any idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, well said. Well said. <laughs> well, one person, Jeff, that probably would enjoy starting a war is Colonel Flagg. <laughs> Craig asks, was there ever any talk of a Colonel Flagg spinoff, which is an interesting question, interesting concept. But to my knowledge, no, I don't I don't know uh, unless you know something, Jeff. I have no knowledge of that no. either. No, don't know. There were three spinoffs of MASH, technically. There was After MASH, which of course is the most well-known of the spinoffs. There was Trapper John MD, mm -hmm. which was uh, not Wayne Rogers. It was Purnell Roberts who portrayed the character later in life. And then there was a one-time pilot <laughs> of an episode called Walter, where they take Radar and make him a cop in St. Louis for some insane reason. <laughs> it was never picked up. It's notoriously bad. And uh, you can you can find it on YouTube, although I don't know if you want to, because <laughs> CBS did air it as a one-time special, but it never got picked up. So those are the only spinoffs that MASH ever had. Now, whether or not there were others that were discussed, I'm not sure. I'm also, and I don't know how you feel about this, Jeff, I'm also not sure that I would have wanted to watch a Colonel Flag show. Yeah. That character was so good because of the contrast between him and the doctors at the 4077. So you could enjoy him in small doses. Yes. You know? Yes. Small doses. But yes. to put him as the lead of his own show, I don't know if I would want to watch that. Yeah. Less is always more, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. Yeah. He was such a strong character that, you know, a little bit of him went a long way and they used him perfectly on the show. I mean, he was, he was just a wonderful character to watch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think a spinoff with him in it would have been all that great because it would have, I think the joke would have gotten old really quickly. Yeah. On Maj, it didn't because he was, you know, he was interspersed throughout numbers of weeks, but uh, every week, I don't, I, I think the joke would have, you know, gone away quick. Yeah. I think it would have worn thin pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Colonel Flynn. <laughs> no spinoff for you. Now, Private Igor, there's another story. It's not too late. It's not too late. It's not too late. It's never too late. CBS, if you're listening. Netflix, huh? Come on Netflix, now. Netflix, if you're listening, yep. yeah. Hulu, Zulu, Mulu, Moomoo. I don't care any of the ooze. Please call me. Chad writes... I want to thank everyone that had anything to do with MASH. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> the comedy and realizations in the show has helped me in so many ways, but mostly the comedy. In the show, Hawkeye has a way of using humor to get through the war. I used the same to get through my battle with drugs and alcohol. Today, I'm 14 years clean and happy as ever. Well, congratulations. Fine, fine work, Chad. And to pay it forward, I use that same humor to help others feeling down or just to keep the positivity going. But it takes all the cast to make a show. So I do appreciate all who bring the show together. Thank you very much, guys, for bringing MASH back to the fans with the podcast. My question to all is, am I the only one who, when a helicopter flies over, think or say, incoming? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, no, Chad, you're not. No. At least I, I, I can't help it. <laughs> I know. If only you could get a royalty every time somebody says incoming when they hear a helicopter fly over. <laughs> yeah, you would be really. living in the biggest mansion in Malibu, my friend. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Well, that's great. Chad, really, that what you said is terrific. And yeah. uh, Ryan and I certainly are fans of laughter. I've been for a million years, mm-hmm. and I think there's nothing like it. So, you know, good on you for, for helping uh, yourself by the use of laughter because yeah. it's, a, it's, you know, I say laughter is the best medicine, and boy, it sure can be. So good. Congratulations for 14 years clean. Good for you. 14 years clean. That is, that is an achievement and uh, that's not an easy thing to do. So uh, good on you, Chad, for doing that. Keep it up, man. Keep it up. One day at a time. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good show too. That was a good show. Yeah. We should do a podcast about one day at a time. I'm going to write that down. Okay. Let me add that that to the list of our our podcast empire. We'll give the uh, list to the staff and see what they say. (laughs) Right. And you know what, Jeff? Podcast empires cost money. They do. We want to thank the people who are helping to support this podcast empire through Patreon, our VIPs, including our friend Corporal Tom Fiery. And we want to salute Captain Mark Geyer. Captain Mark Rhodes. And Major Kevin Stallings. And we save this for the end because this is our first listener from this location, Jeff. This is exciting. This is Corporal... Okay, I'm going to try this. Corporal Ksenia... Dry Malik. Whoa, what do you think? that was good. Does that work? I think that was, I get, you, you get this. That was good. Ksenia listens yeah. to us in the Ukraine. Wow. And is now a supporter of MASH Matters through Patreon. How about that? Hello, Ukraine. Hello, Ukraine. Wow. Yeah. This is really cool. Yeah. Great. Thank you, Corporal. Thank you. MASH fans from all over the world. We have heard all from, I mean, we hear from Norway. We hear from Australia, New Zealand, Germany, the UK, Canada, Slovakia. I mean, we have heard from <laughs> a little bit of everywhere. And it's so awesome to hear from our uh, international friends and also the folks here in the States. And thank you for your support. If you would like to support the show and help us uh, make these new episodes, you can go to mashmatters.com slash support and become a Patreon VIP. And it'll help us get more staff. (laughs) That's right. We're hiring. Hey, that does it for us. That's that's another episode in the books. Is that it? Is 67 over? 67 is over. Yeah. I got to work out and get prepared for 68 then. Here I go. You can find us matchmatters.com on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can uh, listen to episodes on YouTube as well or on all the podcast players. Email us matchmatterspodcast at gmail.com. And you can call and leave a voicemail under three minutes in length at 513-436-4077. Or you can just come over to the house. Until next time. Here's looking up your old address. <laughs> <laughs>